And now the worship team. Lest we ever forget the price that was paid, Lord, lead me back to Calvary. Sing with us. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crown, crown, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget gave us his only begotten son. What a God we serve. Amen? Amen. He is the great I am, the Alpha and Omega. And in Daniel 7, he's described as the Ancient of Days. Let's sing this together. All blessing and honor, glory and power be to him.
ancient bows before him, the ancient of days. Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto the ancient of days. From every nation, all of creation, bow before the ancient of days. Every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow. All of creation bow before the ancient of days. Every tongue in heaven. close the singing with this song that says, Great is your faithfulness, Lord, and your mercies, they're new every morning. Mercies, 
Good morning. Good morning. 
With God, all things are? Possible. Let's repeat that. With God, all things are? Possible. possible. And uh, without knowing what uh, the bulletin is going to be, uh, our subject has to do with this, with God's. All things are possible. I was talking to uh, Gloria Ramirez this morning, and she said, I've been praying for her to get a job. And she said, guess what, Adel? I interviewed with Bayer in San Jose, and I got a job. Amen. Isn't that something? Amen. I said that goes without saying. You honor God, God will honor you. And I will honor those who? Amen. That's my favorite. Today's message is uh, we are going to uh, look at a, a person, a personality in the Bible. And uh, actually we need uh, to um, concentrate on one person that uh, is in the book of Esther. How many of you know the story of Esther? I don't have to read anything. That's great. <laughs> ah, that's good. I was hoping, I was hoping. I was talking about this personality. His name is Mordecai. Remember Mordecai? He's a great guy. And I want to bring to your attention a few things that he did and he, how he trusted the Lord. So it might be, and it will be, I'm sure, an encouragement for you and me. And it will push us and throw us on the promises of God. Mordecai and his decision for life. Mordecai and his decision for life. So many times we base our decisions on uh, what we see is good in ourselves, our experiences in life, uh, what we think, or, or we consult our friends. And uh, many of our decisions sometimes don't work. And we always question the fact why it didn't work. Why? Because did you ever stop to think that so many times we take a decision without consulting God? As Christians, people who have trusted God in everything, have we never, have we ever taken a decision and we failed? There are some principles in the Word of God, in fact, the Word of God has all the answers to any question that you may have. There is no subject that the Word of God does not answer. If you want to get married as a Christian, the Bible tells you who to get married to. If you want to have a business, the Bible tells you that you cannot have uh, unequal yoke, right? You want to marry, he says, okay. You get married and marry with someone who is of your faith that she can or he can share with you life. You want to, you want to do any, any kind of uh, business or going anywhere, the Bible tells you what to do. And if we don't know the Bible, then we have problems. And then we go and ask counsel. 
And the council can only do one thing, is direct you to what is written in the Bible, the principles of God. The principles of God. Mordecai, there are, we may say, two things which lie at the foundation of all true decisions for Christ, and namely these two decisions, things. One, a conscience purged by the blood of Jesus Christ. Two, a heart that bows with reverence in submission to the authority of the word of God. Once you are in line with these two decisions, I guarantee your life will be a wonderful life. It's not a wonderful life, James Stewart. A wonderful life with Jesus Christ. I guarantee you that. It is well to bear in mind that there are certain great truths and certain immutable principles, irreversible, which remain untouched by all the failures we do, the folly and sin of man. It is on these great moral truths, these foundation principles, that faith lays hold and in them the strength of the church throughout the ages. You know dispensations come and go. They pass away. Men prove unfaithful in diverse situations and positions and responsibilities. But the word of the Lord, the Bible says, endures forever. You build yourself, Christians, on the word of God, you will be a strong person and nothing can move you in this world. That's a promise, not from me. That's a promise from the Bible, which we are going to see this, uh, this afternoon. It never fails. Let us turn to the book of Esther now. And read a few verses from chapter 3. You know that Esther was raised by her uncle. She lost her father and mother at an early stage. Her name was, who knows, Hadassah. And she was raised by her uncle, whose name is Mordecai. And... Uh, she was taken to the king. She was very beautiful. And uh, to make a long story short, she became the queen, the queen of Susa. And uh, the, uh, she, was, she became the wife of Ashawirus, and Ashawirus we call it. And he was a king who ruled over 129 provinces from India all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. It was one of the largest kingdoms of that time, the kingdom of Persia. She became the queen. Though her uncle stayed in the you know, shadows, he never showed himself. And he always wished her well. And she succeeded in winning the heart of the king and of the people. And uh, uh, at a certain time in his life, Mordecai, 
Mordecai uncovered a plot to kill the king and he saved his life, but he never uh, did show himself before the king or anything. And then after that, the Bible, let's take it from there in chapter 3, the Bible says, verse 1, after these events, King Asawirus promoted Haman, the son of Hamidatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and established him, his authority over all the princes who were with him. This was his right hand, evil man. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him, but Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, why are you transgressing the king's command? Now it was when they had spoken daily to him and he would not listen to them that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's reason would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai, that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, Haman was filled with rage. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him who the people of Mordecai were. Therefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews in the kingdom. The people of Mordecai who were throughout the whole kingdom. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Ashawirosh, Pur, that is the lot, was cast before Haman from day to day and from month to month until the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar. Then Haman went to the king and he said to the king, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all other people and they do not observe the king's laws so it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. If it is pleasing to the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put into the king's treasuries. Then the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamidatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the silver is yours and the people also do with them as you please. God bless our, the word. As we look at this portion in the life of those who were Jews who were living in exile, we see Mordecai and we see him as a very remarkable man who lived at the time which the Jewish economy, you have to think, had failed through the unfaithfulness of, and disobedience of the nation of Israel. The Gentile was in power. Was in power someone, a Persian king, and his assistant is the number one enemy of the Jews. The relationship between God and Israel was close to nothing. 
The Jews were demoralized. The chosen seed was in exile. The city and temple were completely destroyed. And the utensils that Nebuchadnezzar took, took everything and he was using them in his big events. Uh, these were utensils were supposed to be used for, by uh, the uh, priests in the house of the Lord. They were used in drinking and partying back there in Susan. Such was the outward condition of the nation of Israel at that time of Esther, where Mordecai, our subject, we're going to discuss. In addition to this, was a man very near to the throne, occupying only the second place in the empire. And what's his name? Haman. Keep that in your, in your mind. He was always sitting to the king, influencing the king, expressing his needs, and the king listens to him. And he listened to him all the time and did, did whatever he wanted, he suggested. To this man, second in command, the poor, unknown, Jewish subject, Mordecai, the exiled Jew, the refugee, refused to bow. He refused to bow. Nothing will make him yield a single, a little bit like this, a single mark of respect to the second man in the kingdom. He was ready to save the king's life, which he did, but he will never bow down to Haman. And the decree came from the king, his signet ring signed, bow or perish. Why was this? Why, Haman, you took this bold decision? Don't you think that he can wipe you out completely and kill you? He will send his soldiers, this Haman, and just take you to the gallows. Let's analyze Haman's position a little bit. And that's what I want to share with you today. And the servants who knew Mordecai liked him. They came to him on a daily basis. They talked to him. Say, why? Hey, man, uh, Mordecai, you are a minority and have no power to fight. Hey, man. Look at the questions. Look at the Jewish system. It's in ruin. Your people have no strength nor power. And there is no law to protect them. An Amalekite was in power. He is in the place of authority. You are in a corner. And in view of the above, why are you maintaining such a bold attitude? Do you have an answer to such a decision, Mordecai? Mordecai just said, yes, I do. There's a, 
great principle here at stake. And I stand by this principle. And this is what I want to draw your attention to. And in this church, let me tell you, whatever is taught from this pulpit is to equip the Christians, to make you stronger believers, to make you face the enemy with boldness, not to bow, not to be afraid of the world outside, the evil world. He said, yeah, there are some principles. And when we equip, equip you, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to stand firm by your decision based on the principles of God. Not based on Adol said, or the women they deal with Sylvia said, no, but what God says. We stand by, but what God says. And if the word of God judges me, I welcome it and correct myself on behalf of each and every person and go along with the principles of God. One day, a young man came to me, he says, well, Adol, I want counsel. I said, oh, Lord, help me. He said, uh, I, uh, we decided, my wife and I, to do two things. And she said, ask Adol what he thinks. I said, okay. I decided either to buy a motorcycle, a Harley-Davidson, or a boat. Adol, give me your advice. I said, what can I, what advice can I, you decided, see what's better for the family since you made the decision, I'm going to interfere, whatever you want to do, you do. He said, no, no, you have to tell me. I said, okay, well, we started walking, walking in San Francisco together and so on, and then finally I said, well, okay, listen, how much is the, is the boat going to cost you? He said, 60, 70,000 dollars, I want a big boat, okay, is the boat going Okay, gas. It takes a lot of gas, you know. We're not talking about a little fishing boat that Turhan has, which is good to enjoy yourself. But we're talking about a boat. He said, I can take people on weekends. I said, on weekends? Where will you be? Mm, yeah, you have a point. And, uh, and do you know the maintenance of the boat and so on? And I knew a motorcycle also is not a good trap. I said, you're, you're better off with a motorcycle than a boat. Bought a motorcycle. Is that uh, these things, we cannot help when you make the decision. When you make the decision outside the word of God, the word of God cannot help you. But when you make a decision based on the word of God, on the principles of God, God will come down himself and help you. Mordecai knew the word of God. Do you know that? And I'm going to walk you through it. Why are you taking? He says, let me, take, let me tell you why I am taking this position. If you have your Bibles, and I expect you to have your Bibles, your Bibles, your iPhones, your uh, 
for aristocratic people, the iPads. iPads, yes, Ed iPad is there. And Sean's iPad is there, yeah. May God bless you guys. Okay, well, let's have a good Bible study here. Okay, let's go to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. I'll open it with you. And wait for you. We're going to take some more time today in studying this man. It's a case study of Mordecai and his great decision for Jesus Christ. Okay, Exodus 17, verses 13 through 16. I'm going to read it. So Joshua, they had a big war, big battle with Amalekites. Overwhelmed Amalek, Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. Further, and Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. And he added, The Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Who was the second in command? And where is he? Where, uh, is he the descendants of what? Amalek. He is an Amalekite. And he is there. And do you expect me? to bow down for an Amalekite that God said he is at war with him. Church, be careful not to ever bow to any person against God. Stand firm. When the war comes, when someone asks you to bow down, to compromise, to compromise against the word of God, and against the principles of God, even though our life might be at stake. As, um, as Mordecai, he said, I will never bow, though I will perish. I am in the hands of God. Further, what happened to King Saul when he spared the Amalekites? He knew his Bible. When you are equipped, and you know your Bible, you will never lose a battle with the devil. You know why we lose? Because we don't know our word. Study the Bible. Come to church. Listen to the teaching. And obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will never lose a battle. Let's look. And he learned. Number one, he knew. Because God said, write it, Moses. So for all the children of Israel will know I am at war with Amalekite from generation to generation. Do you want me to make peace with you, Haman? They so told him, what are you doing? Go make peace with him. What is going to take? A little bow like this. He will pass by and then you go do your thing. And you go to your work and you will prosper. He might give you a, 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 a big push to prosper. Why don't you bow? A little bow. He said, I will never bow. Remember the three Hebrews guys? When the, the king said, you have to bow, otherwise I will throw you in the well. Bow or burn. The same thing, bow or perish. But they say, we will never bow to you. We have a God who can take care of us. And what happened? 
What happened? They went through the fire and came out, not even the smell of fire were on their clothes. What happened to Daniel? He knew he was fighting a big fight there. Throw him. Let him be eaten by the lions. Yeah, the lions became lambs. And the Lord promoted Daniel to be the second man in command in the whole kingdom. Well, let's see what happened to Saul. Let's open with me. He still, he knows his Bible. He knows his work. Let's see what happened to Saul. Open with me to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15, verse 19. I'll open my Bible with you. 1 Samuel, not 2nd. Samuel told Saul, when you fight the Amalekites and you win, don't keep their spoil, don't keep any person alive. What did Saul do? In verse 19, why did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Remember, then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission in which you sent, the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek. He did not kill him. He did not destroy him. I brought him back and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Said, Is that so? But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choices of things, devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. What happened to Samuel? That was the decree from the Lord said, your kingdom shall be divided from now on. And Samuel died a man away from God. Did Mordecai know his Bible? Yes. Did he know the principles of God? That's why he made this decision. I said, I made a decision. This is where I stand. I am not going to compromise. I stand for God and come what may. And now here in, in uh, Esther chapter 3, look who's, who's on, uh, number two in the kingdom. After these events, King Ashawirosh promoted Haman, the son of Hamedatha the Agagite. From King Agag. He is a descendant. Closer from Amalekites and now you want me to bow to him you want me to go against God he knew Haman was a descendant of this king and he can clearly say I know God's principles and my decision was based on the word of God He answered with boldness. Look at his answer. God has spoken, and this is enough for me. Church, did we reach a certain point in life that we trust fully the word of God? When the word of God teaches us something and gives you directions to follow, I said, Lord, I am going to get out. 
close my Bible and get out and it's enough for me. You have spoken. That's obedience. That's total obedience to God himself. That's total trust. True. He said, we are minority. We are scattered. But the word of God is never scattered. Yes, come what may. I will depend on these principles. Because the principles of God, they never fail. And let me tell you one thing. Whatever is the difficulty that you will be facing, whatever the problem that you have, whatever uh, thing you go through, God is a God of impossibilities. Is there anything impossible for God? That's himself asking the question to Sarah. Sarah, is there anything impossible for God? Sarah said, <laughs> I was talking, you know. She was ashamed. We do that. We do that many times. And we think God is impossible, you know. And one thing I give to Mordecai, he never sent for Esther, who was queen, go tell her what's going to happen. Go, go, and let her know what I'm going through, that the nation of Israel, they're going to be destroyed by this man. He never said that at all. And people were coming, talking to him. I said, this is my stand. I know my God. Then she sent, she sent her personal advisor to ask him, and then when her personal advisor came, said, yes, I have this problem with Haman. And the tide changes. Another question asked him. Said, your stand will destroy the whole nation. What is your decision? Why this decision, Mordecai? Bow or perish? The answer is still most simple, he told them. I have nothing to do with consequences. They are in the hands of God. No compromise. Bend a little bit. Give allowance. Look at the nation. Obedience to God's principle is my path. That was the answer. And the results are with him. You know what someone said? It is to better to die with a good conscience than to live and bow to the enemy of God. Take that to the bank. It is better to go to heaven with un, an uncondemning heart than remaining on earth as a coward. Stand firm. Trust God. You have the greatest power under the sun and above the sun, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And guess what? Did, Mar did Mordecai lose? Did, Mar well, did Mordecai go to the gallows? Hmm. What's the lesson here? Number one, know the principles of God. And live by the authority of the word of God. Not what people say. Not at all. People might give you different advices. 
and might lead you astray. But only the word of God can keep you on the right track. Daniel resolved, the three Hebrews resolved not to even defile themselves with the king's choicest food. Purity of heart and faithfulness to God come before anything in life. Purity of heart and faithfulness to God come before anything in our life. These men, Mordecai, you know what we say it every day, he drew the line. Right? How many times? He drew the line. I will not cross it. They made a decision for God. And did God disappoint them? No, not at all. The angel of the Lord, the Bible says, encamps round those who fear him and delivers them at the right time. But how, how little are we prepared for a single sneer? A single scornful look, a word, an expression for Christ's sake. We sometimes cave in. And may God help us to remember standing for God is the greatest thing we can ever do as long as we live. Mordecai stood like a giant and he drew the line. You know, lines are everywhere. There are lines in the parking lots. To designate parking spaces, and I hope we are parking in the right spaces. There are lines drawn at intersections so that pedestrians know uh, where to cross the street. There are lines drawn on baseball diamonds, basketball courts, football fields to help the players. And referees know if the balls uh, and the players are in or out, whatever it is. Lines can be very important. They help us know where we stand. He drew the line. We are either on one side of the line or the other. Moses drew a line by saying to the people with courage as he addressed those who were disobedient and wishy-washy, he told them in Exodus 32, 26, who is on the Lord's side, let him come to me. You stand with God? Make it known that you are with God. Jesus drew the line. In his many teachings, he called those from the multitude to follow him. That's drawing a line. His, word, his words were, were very clear. And thank God for the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Either you are for Christ, let me say this, or you are against him, and there is no in between. You stand. You stand for your church, stand firm for your church. Stand firm for the teaching. You are with your church, or you are against it, and there is no in between. And give me time to make up my mind. If Mordecai had to take time to make up his mind, he would have been gone, long gone. He wouldn't be the subject we're studying today. We must decide on which side of the line we stand. 
There is no middle ground with the Lord. There is no middle ground. Take a stand. Be a Mordecai. Human nature likes to be popular than to be reproached on the ground of being narrow-minded. They might call you narrow-minded. I've been called narrow-minded in following God's principle. We uh, like to hear people that we are large-minded. We are liberal. We like to be thought of as enlightened men and women. Let me say this. I'd rather be counted narrow-minded and pleasing to God than being broad-minded and pleasing to the world. He made a decision. The Bible says in Galatians 1.10, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant for Jesus Christ. In the face of the critics, I say, we have no right to be liberal at our master's expense. We have simply to obey the Lord. What was the result? The result, Haman prepared the gallows for Mordecai. The king knew from his queen, Esther, that this guy is against the kingdom, is only for himself, and look what's happening to my nation, to my people. He gave her the authority, even half of his kingdom, to do whatever she wants. And suddenly, suddenly, the Lord spoke to the king. And he thought and remembered him. And he wanted to compensate him. And he used Haman to put him on his horse, to dress him with his clothes, and to take him all around the, the town. Furthermore, he built the gallows to hang Mordecai. Mind you, there was no regiment behind Mordecai. There was no army behind Mordecai. There was no one behind Mordecai. There was a divided nation and a, a nation in exile. But there was someone greater than all the nations in the world, Jesus Christ behind Mordecai. Mordecai, come on up. What? Put the, single ring, single, the, the ring on, on his finger. Make him the second in command. And Haman, who built the gallows to hang him, hang him and his ten sons with him. For the Lord will have no peace with Amalekites from generation to generation. Don't say God has changed. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. The God who won in the past is winning today. And his church is going forward. Regardless, we have adversaries, left, right, and centers. But we don't have them here in the middle of the church. We thank God. We stand as one unit, fighting one fight. And we shall win. And we are winning. Mordecai, take a look downstairs from his high sitting, the king there, and Esther there. Take a look down there, Shekhe. I see, I see Haman hanging on the gallows. Take a look. His ten sons are hanging. And they took his, 
his house. They took everything he had. And who became the number two man in command in the whole 129 provinces? Mordecai the Jew. Because he knew the principles of God. And he stuck by the principles of God. Do not compromise. Stand firm on the promises of God. You make a decision for the Lord, go for it. And God is with you and he will be with you, be with you until he comes again. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayers. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to study one of the men of God in this world. May you bless our hearts and help us to live a life based on your promises, making our decisions on the word of God by the authority of the word of God. Help us to live a life worthy of our calling with no compromise at all. Bless each and every family and help us to live for you and you alone. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. The meeting is over. Sorry, I'm five minutes over time. May God bless you and be with you.